How's everybody doing? Thank you guys for joining. Those who will. Those who will watch later. Make sure the chat is up. Happy finals week to all the students finishing up school and congratulations to those that have um, wrapped things up. Yep, that is such a big accomplishment. Very busy time of the year. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about the natural eye versus the spiritual eye, as you can see in the title. <laughs> the title was updated this time. I know the last time it said test, but I made sure. So if it's not changed this time, I don't know what I don't know what to tell you. But I mean, there's a, a great, greatly difference between seeing with the natural eye and seeing with the spiritual eye, because especially when we're going through things, we tend to look at things naturally and start to worry. But we need to look at things spiritually because um, on the spiritual side, there's always a way out. God will always make a way. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. It's a very brief introduction. So mm -hmm. I'll turn it over to Minister Tony Banks. Thank you, sir. Uh, before we move too far, uh, I want to remember to say a prayer this week. I don't know if I did last week or not. I think you did. Um, but I know a lot of times I will forget uh, when I start a live stream to do that. So. Heavenly Father, thank you for being so gracious, so kind, so merciful to us. Um, we know that we don't even deserve all the things that you do for us. So, Lord, we just say thank you. And we pray, Lord, that you continue to keep us in your will, continue to give us the mind to want to follow you, the desire to follow you. Continue to help us to love you, to grow in your word, to grow in just who you are, and to be more Christ-like each day. Lord, we pray for all of those people out there, uh, and ourselves included, uh, that are going through so many trials and tribulations, so many things that we have to keep our minds stayed on you so that you can keep us in perfect peace. Lord, we pray for the people out there who don't even have you, and they feel as if there's no other way to go. Uh, they don't understand what options to take. They're resorting in all types of um, drugs and violence and so many unhealthy things to cope with the pain but Lord help them to see you please help us Lord in your name we pray Jesus amen man so uh, as Melvin has already mentioned we're going to be talking about the natural eye versus the spiritual eye and we're coming from second Kings the sixth chapter and we'll start with verse 15 and I hope I can time this thing right because it's a lot of verses as usual. It's a lot of verses we can go to, but I pray that God just leads us uh, to the places where we should focus on. So we'll start 2 Kings 6 and 15. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, Behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? We jump right into the thicket, right into the climax of this story, really, where we see Elisha and his servant are surrounded by their enemies. And we'll, we'll go back up just to see how they got here. 
just so uh, people aren't lost. But here, the servant, this is Elisha's servant. Elisha is the prophet. His, the guy who's working with him, he rose up early in the morning, and to his surprise, they were surrounded by enemies. Uh, that's what it means where it says the host come past the city with horses and chariots. And in that time, obviously, there were no tanks. There were no uh, rifles. There were no, no snipers, uh, no machine guns. They had horses and chariots and bow and arrows and things of that nature. So that's what surrounds them. And so the servant says unto Elisha, Alas, my master, how shall we do? How are we going to get out of this? What are we going to do now? I was, uh, we, we talked about this same story Tuesday at our Bible study uh, that people come to a person. And I put, I put the, the people in there in a scenario where I wanted to make it kind of uh, more practical, I guess, put them in the situation. If someone, uh, even, even today, if someone showed up here uh, where we are, outside the door, and we can see them with guns pointed in here. And we know people don't just go around pointing guns for fun. And so if we were put in that situation, how would we respond? How would we respond looking at the natural? Even, um, I can't remember where this shooting was, but we just had a school shooting. And it slipped, it slipped my mind where the shooting was, but there was just a school shooting. So we're faced with this type of issue all the time where somebody is surrounding us, somebody is coming to attack us. And so the servant is wondering, what, what are they going to do next? All right. And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now, those are some hard-to-see words because like I said if somebody point, is pointing a gun on you and you ask the person next to you what are we going to do here and they say just fear not <laughs> hold on man I, what do you mean are you crazy how am I not going to fear if I'm anyone pointed uh, faced with death being natural people we fear we're going to shake Voice will get light, start cracking. I mean, we'll sweat. I mean, that's the natural uh, response to fear. And so the prophet here, talking to his servant, he says, "Fear not." Now, that's a, that's a hard thing to see. That's a hard thing to comprehend. How this man can just say, "Look, just don't worry about it. Don't be afraid." For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. If God be for us, who can be against us? But oftentimes that that if God is for me, who can be against me? That goes out the window when your enemy is standing right in front of you. Mm -hmm. Even in this situation, it we see Elisha and his servant. It's only two of them. But the scripture said they're surrounded. So I can imagine now, I can imagine the servant saying, man, what you mean they that are for us? It's just me and you here. 
when we're looking in the natural. In the natural, we see, oh, it ain't nobody else there but Elisha and his servant. But let's look further into this story. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Open his eyes that he may see. The prophet here prays for the young man so that God would allow him to see that God was there with him all alone. No matter how many people came against them, no matter what the situation is, God was there with them and he was going to protect them. And we forget so much today, no matter what the circumstance is, if the doctor tell us we got two months to live, we forget. We say we forget about God being there. We completely forget that. We say, oh, you, we got to find a way out of this. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, we immediately think, well, I guess I'm just going to die. We completely forget God has the final say-so. We try every single thing. Every single God. thing. And then when we got nowhere else to go, we say, well, shoot, I need somebody to pray for me. I've taken this medicine and it's not working. <laughs> I've done so many things and it's not working. Let me try to pray now. So... The prophet here prays to God and says, open his eyes. That, what we're seeing here is that the prophet can see certain things that his servant could not see. That Elisha could see some things that his young, the young man could not see. So he already understood that God was going to make a way for them. But he was trying to comfort the young man to understand and to see that. And it does not matter what you say. If a person cannot see it for themselves, it's not going to work. I can sit here and say, fear not. God could have already shown me how a situation was going to play out. He could have already shown me. It does not matter how much I tell someone, don't worry about it, don't fear don't don't stay up late and all night about it. Don't 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 stress yourself so much. It does not matter until they see it for themselves. That's only when it's going to matter. So Elisha prayed that God would open this man's eyes. Now, the young man obviously could see. Because if he couldn't see, he would have never gotten afraid in the first place. <laughs> He would have never saw the chariots. He would have never saw all of the, the army, the great host that came against him. So the man could physically see, but he had no spiritual eyes. He had no spiritual understanding. So go ahead, Mill. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. So... When Elisha prayed, God revealed protection around them, around Elisha. God showed him horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. God opened this man's eyes to something he could physically see to get him to understand something spiritual. That's where we are today. In the Old Testament, God did a lot of things in the natural to get people 
to a new level, which that's where we should be today. Uh, the scripture said the just shall live by faith. We're going to have to live by faith. And acting on faith, we're not going to physically see a lot of things. I was using the example the other day. Even with the wind, the wind is all around us. You can take your hand and just whirl it around in the air. You can feel it, but you won't see a single thing. And God is the same way. You can feel God. We can feel God's presence, but we can't see him. The Bible says no man has seen God at any time. No one's ever seen God because God is a spirit, just like the wind. He's invisible, but he's there. He's everywhere. And it's not by coincidence. It's not by some miracle that God made the wind, the air, invisible. He didn't do that by mistake. That was by design. So he uses a lot of these physical things that we know uh, and comprehend the world today to understand the spiritual realm. So let's, we can go back, uh, we can go back some just to see how they got in this situation, but we just want to bring out the natural eye versus the spiritual eye because God is trying to get us in a spiritual mindset. But as people, we, we primarily focus on natural. We primarily focus on things we can see. And in doing so, we don't trust God enough to say, well, I know things don't look good for me right now, but God is going to make a way. So let's go back. And we'll start at verse 8. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither, thither the Syrians are come down. So the king of Syria decided to go to war and basically ambush the Israelites. So he said, I'm going to place my camps. We're going to set up traps here and here, such and such, over here, over there, wherever it was. And so in verse 9, and the man of God sent unto the king of Israel a message to warn him, beware that thou pass not such a place. The man of God told the Israelites how to avoid the trap. Verse 10, Evan, if you will. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there, not once nor twice. He saved himself multiple times after they went and checked out what Elisha had told him. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Since none of his ambushes worked, none of his traps worked, his heart was sore. He was real. He was very disappointed and upset with his own people and said, Hold on, man. Somebody here has to be on their side. Somebody has to be going back telling them. And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, 
But Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in my bedchamber. God had already opened the eyes of his prophet. God had already told Elisha what the king of Syria's plans were. <clears throat> so one of the king of Syria's servants told him, is the man of God Elisha, the prophet, he, God has revealed to this man the words you speak even at, even at the midnight hours when you in your bed coming up with plans. God, God has told Elisha what you thinking. Your plan. God reveals certain things to the minister to open his eyes, and it is then his job to open the people around him eyes. But a lot of times, when it is something that seems to contradict what we believe, we say that's not true. But that's the minister's job, to open the eyes of the people around him. That's how God operates. That's how God operates. See, as we already read, Elisha already understood God, but he had to pray for God to open the eyes of the people around him. Even in this situation here, God had already opened Elisha's eyes to the traps of the king of Syria. He had already, he had already told him, informed him of that. It was then Elisha's job to warn the king of Israel. That's how God operates. And he's still the same God to this day. He's the same God. Let's go to Acts the 26th chapter. And we'll start at verse 1, and then we're going to drop down to, I think, verse 13. Acts chapter 26 and verse 1. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. So we were in the Old Testament. Now we fast forward to the New Testament. And I just want to show here that God still operates the same way he did then he operates now. So during that time, he used ministers to help the understand, help open the understanding. Still, God has to open your understanding. Don't get me wrong. But Paul says in the book of uh, Romans, he said, how can they hear without a preacher? How can you do it? God has an order. So here we're going to find Paul talking. And we're going to drop down to verse 13. Paul is going to give us uh, what happened to him when he was called by God. When God had to straighten him out. Because if you know anything about Paul, he was a man who was killing people for calling on the name of Jesus Christ. And he's going to tell us that here in verse 13. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. So Paul is, he was Saul before he became Paul. That was after God changed his name, after he changed his life also. 
So he was initially Saul, and he was headed to Damascus, <laughs> and he was shined by a light. He said it was brighter, brighter than the sun. And as a result, he was blinded for three days. He didn't tell us in here, but it tells us in other scriptures. So he falls to the earth, him and the people that were with him. He hears his voice and says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? All right. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. That's plain enough. He's talking to Jesus now. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I, I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. He called him for this purpose. God wanted to change this man's life and make him a minister. Now that's the same thing we saw Elisha was. He was a minister. Now we see it with Paul. To open their eyes, deliver uh, seventeen. Seventeen, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes. To open their eyes, the exact same thing that Elisha prayed. He said, "God, open their eyes." Now we see Jesus talking to Paul and saying, "Look, for this reason have I called you for this purpose to make you a minister." to open their eyes. I'm going to deliver you out of their hands. They're going to try to kill you. They're going to try to do all types of things. They're going to speak evil against you. They're going to say you're blaspheming. They're going to say you're teaching false doctrine. They're going to say you're doing so many things, but I will deliver you, and I'm calling you to open their eyes, to give them an understanding. In the book of Nehemiah, the people... They got together the book of uh, Moses, the law of Moses, and they began to read to the people. And Ezra, among other priests, the scripture said they gave the sense. They made the scriptures make sense. That's the preacher's job, to make the scriptures make sense. Now, sometimes when <clears throat> when a, a person says something, we say, that don't make sense at all. I don't even understand that. But that is when it's up to each and every one of us to study and see God and say, God, open my understanding. Because if, if what I was told was true, I want to see it for myself. If it was true. So go ahead, man. That, that, that's a part of the minister's job to open the eyes of the people. And to turn them from darkness to light mm -hmm. and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Now, we know the scripture talks about forgiveness of sins. We know God hates all sin. So we know the minister is supposed to talk about sins. But a lot of times we don't know about the inheritance that God wants to give us. That's something that's not talked about a lot. Well, Put it to you this way. A lot of times people will say God wants to give you this, give you that, give you this. But here he says he wants to give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified among the saints. That's where our inheritance really is supposed to come from.
But we better not get too deep into that. We better not get into that. So, I want to move uh, to the book of Mark because Paul was carrying a certain doctrine, a certain set of teachings. This is what God wants the minister to open the people's eyes to, to be aware of the truth. The truth shall make you free. God wants everyone to know the truth. But so often we talk based off of our own personal opinions or our own personal beliefs. But we have to seek the doctrine of Christ. So let's let's look at Mark, the eighth chapter, and we'll look at verse uh, I think I want it fifteen. Yeah. Uh, Mark chapter 8 verse 15 and he charged them saying take heed beware of the leaving of the Pharisees and of the leaving of Herod beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod now leaven is bread that's just bread that doesn't rise that's all it is look at verse 16 and they reason among themselves saying it is because we have no bread they're trying to figure out what Jesus is talking about here. What is he talking about? He, he said it because we don't have any bread, huh? They're, they're reasoning among themselves now. They're not going to the one who has the understanding. They're thinking in the natural right now. But Jesus is trying to tell them something spiritual. And when Jesus knew it, he said unto them, why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand? Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not? And having ears, hear ye not? And do ye not remember? Having eyes, see ye not. They, now they got physical eyes. They got natural eyes. I don't know what color their eyes was. It don't even matter. But some of them might have had blue eyes. Some of them might have had green eyes. It does not matter. They had eyes and they could physically see, but they still couldn't comprehend. They still did not see what Jesus was talking about. A lot of times people, you'll say something to people and they say, I just don't see what you're saying. Because they could not comprehend. They could not perceive. They could not understand. So that's what we're trying to get at. Jesus said, you have eyes, but you still can't see it. You have ears, but you still can't hear it. Because it's, it's a spiritual language that God is trying to talk to us. The whole Bible is nothing but spiritual talk. That's why a lot of times people say the Bible contradicts itself. <laughs> That's because you never had the glasses on. You don't have the right pair of glasses on. You don't have the right hearing aid. And you can't see it and you can't hear it because God is talking spiritual talk. So it takes a God-sent preacher to open our understanding. Now, God, like I said, God still has to be the one to open your understanding. But It is still the preacher's job to tell you what it is that God is talking about. 
he intentionally and he intended that the Bible be hard to comprehend. But it's actually easy to comprehend if you put some work in. If you put some time in, all of these things will make sense. All of it will make sense. Yeah. So he said, having eyes, see ye not. Y'all don't understand what it is that I'm talking to you about. Let's move to um, at Matthew, the 16th chapter. I want to I want to get to the bottom of what it is that he was trying to get them to see. Matthew, the 16th chapter, and we'll start at verse 6. We're going to see the same story. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Same thing. Beware of the leaven of them, the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Mm -hmm. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have brought no bread? Mm -hmm. Do ye not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? And now he's, he's trying to bring to their remembrance of the spiritual things he has done. He has performed miracles. He, he's trying to bring that back to their memory. All right. Uh, what was neither, yeah, neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? He said, how is it that you don't understand when I said that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees? Now, Jesus knows why they don't understand. Their eyes have not been opened. But he said, we're not talking of physical bread here. This is something beyond that. Look at let's look at the next verse. Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. But of the doctrine, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You have to live your life by the words of God, the doctrine, the true doctrine of God. Um, in the book of Isaiah, he said, In that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We shall eat our own bread, and wear our own clothes, and wear our own apparel. <laughs> He is talking about doctrine. I don't even want to get too deep into that. He is talking about how all of us are going to take on the name of Jesus. That's the one man. The seven churches. There are seven churches in the book of Revelation. All of the churches that proclaim Christianity, they're going to take on the name of Jesus all while doing and following their own doctrine. They said, we're going to eat our own bread. He's not talking about physical bread. The Bible is spiritual talk. He is talking about his true doctrine, what it takes to live a holy life, what it takes to be a true follower of Christ. What does it take to be saved? That's what you can find differently at every church, every church proclaiming Christianity. That's what you can find different, the doctrine. 
Now, you can find, oh, yeah, we believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You can find that there. Some of them might say, we don't believe he's the Son of God. But typically, a, Christ, a Christian church, they're going to say he is the Son of God. Ain't no argument there. But how to be saved, now, that's different. Should you pay tithes? What should you wear? Can you eat pork? Can you do this? Can The doctrine. That's what's different. So here, Jesus tells them, he said, beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's giving them groups of people. He said, don't follow the doctrine they follow now because they don't teach you the wrong stuff. In one place, he said, if the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall in the ditch. He's not talking about physically blind. He's talking about spiritually blind. If they don't know how to lead you to heaven, you're not going to get there. They're going to lead you in a ditch, and it's called the bottomless pit. <laughs> so the truth, the doctrine, that's what God is trying to open our eyes to, our understanding. He wants us to put his trust in him. The story, the story that we read earlier, Elisha trusted in God. He truly did. Even when the enemy surrounded him, he still trusted God. Us today, <laughs> as soon as the enemy presents himself to us, we we say we might say we trust God. We don't trust God. <laughs> we say, I'm gonna go get my gun, I'ma blow your head up, I'ma do this, I'ma beat you up, I'ma do all types of things. Instead of instead of saying, God, I know you're going to solve this problem. I know you're going to do it. Instead of going that route, we say, I'm going to take matters into my own hand. But the Lord said, vengeance is mine. Yep. So, so quick, we'll find that we don't truly understand God. Uh, Sharon said something. Hey, Sharon. Many churches aren't using the spiritual eye, but the natural eye, and that's why they fall apart. It's definitely true. <laughs> you're so right on that. Did you, did you have something? Go ahead. A lot of times, people can't teach you something that they don't know. So a lot of times, groups of people, they can't tell you something spiritual of God. They can't tell you the true revelation of not only God, but the scripture also. They can't tell you that because they don't know it themselves. So it'd be impossible for me to sit here and tell you things that I don't know. I mean, it's really impossible. So that's, that's why so many people, we have to only talk from a natural sense because they can't see or perceive the spiritual aspect. And it takes God to open your understanding. And my God, when he does, it is incredible. It Stuff is. you notice is crazy. <laughs> the scriptures finally start to align and make sense to you, and you start seeing the world how it actually is. Man, <laughs> all the events that are taking place now, like those same events, took place in the Bible. Same. Events. Everything is accounted for in the Bible. Same events. Mm -hmm. Solomon said, "There's nothing new under the sun." Nope. So. 
it, it, it's extremely incredible that we go back and check our doctrine. The doctrine that the minister is teaching us or whomever it is, whether it's your mom, your dad, yourself, whoever it is, we go back and check the doctrine, see if our understanding matches God's understanding. So here, Jesus is telling them, look, beware of what they're teaching you. And that's my prayer every day. I, I have the same prayer that Elisha had. He said, open their eyes that they may see. I have the same prayer because I want people to see it, but it is still upon them to take the opportunity and follow through on it. Yeah. I was uh, telling them Tuesday, I can take a $100 bill, put it directly in your face, hold it right there in your face. You can, you can practically breathe on it. You can close your eyes and you'll never see it. As long as you sit there, you'll never see it until you actually open your eyes. So what I'm trying to say is, it is upon you to have your understanding open because Jesus says, search the scriptures, for in them think. you think you have eternal life. And everybody is thinking they have eternal life. Everybody is. You, you, you really don't ever hear somebody say, uh, my my uh, uh, my grandpa went to hell last night. He died and went to hell. Nobody's saying that kind of stuff. Now I'm not saying you should be saying that either. But the point is, everybody thinks they're saved. But Jesus, now that's the words of Jesus, the one that we all say we're followers of. Jesus says, search the scriptures. Today, we don't even want to read. We don't like to read. We don't have a desire to read. Jesus himself told you to search the scripture. Not Tony, but I'm trying to open people's understanding, open their eyes to the fact that we need to be searching the scripture because there's so many things that we believe and they're completely contrary to God. So many things. And as a minister, I'm trying to help people see that. And along the way, those same people fight you. Those same people say, I just don't have to do all that. I'm already saved. I talked to one guy. People people you care about. I talked to one guy. He said, man, why are you talking to me? I'm already saved. I said, okay, friend. But being a minister, I can see certain things, and I'm trying to help someone else see it. But if people never actually sit down to look into it, there's nothing I can do other than sit here, beg and plead and say, hey, man, I'm trying to tell you, God is saying more. He's saying some spiritual things. You know what's funny? Like when you say like um, it's the preacher's job, it's probably the toughest job on, on earth, to be honest. It is. Like you care <laughs> it is. so much for a person's soul and you want, you don't want that soul to be tormented for eternity. Eternity is way too long to be leading people wrong. Mm -hmm. But those same those same people are fighting against you, saying that you're judging them. Mm -hmm. And all like we um had a previous Bible study where we read that in Numbers and in Exodus, how Moses was trying to lead the children out of Israel, I mean out of Egypt into the promised land. 
And they kept murmuring. We saw it many times, and they murmured mm-hmm. against Moses, and they murmured against <laughs> Moses. If God didn't want to save us, he could have just, they tried to go back into Egypt, back into slavery, when Moses wasn't trying to do anything but help them. And another party said, Lord, forgive them of their sins. Block my name out of the book of life. Now, now that's some love right there. <laughs> I don't think he knew what he was saying, but he was like, Lord, put their sins upon me. And it's just so funny, like, with people today, like, they'll listen to anybody but the preacher. They'll call the preacher judgmental. <laughs> and in the scripture, it says, I will send you preachers, and those preachers will let you know of your transgressions. They'll let you know when you mess up because they don't want your soul to be tormented for eternity. But people, they'll listen to anybody but the preachers. Like, for instance, I know I talk about the rappers a lot. I'm not trying to bash anybody, but they'll call you broke, ugly, and they'll degrade women. And it's just it's just really sad. We have women, like, they'll listen to these songs all the time. And men, too. And they'll bump their head to them when they're the very people that those rappers are talking about. But you won't listen to a preacher. I, I, I don't understand it. But I do get some preachers, they can be judgmental. But the actual God sent preacher, he won't, he, what God will put your best interest in that preacher's heart. God has always operated through a human being to help bring people to salvation. But as the scripture says, they won't believe him. <laughs> the scripture says, so just like in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the return of the Son of Man. Noah preached for 120 years that it was going to rain. People didn't believe him. They didn't believe him. <laughs> we see eight souls were saved. It was him, his wife, his son, his three sons, and his um, their sons, three wives. The only eight people that saved. Now, I don't know how many people it was in the whole world back then, but only eight were saved. Eight souls were saved. By water. By water. <laughs> It's crazy how the Old Old Testament and the New Testament align. We are saved by water today, but just like in the days of Noah, people won't listen until it's too late, until it start thundering. <laughs> They're going to be trying to get on that ark, <laughs> but the door is going to be closed. And I pray that we all get there soon, like before it's too late. That's why we get on here begging and pleading, like open your Bible up more than more than Sunday. Read it, study it, search it, because a lot of people think that they're saved. And that be the hardest part. I remember Tony was saying earlier, it's all right if you try to talk to somebody and they'll be like, man, I just don't want to follow God. I'm good on that. That won't be so hard. But it's the people that think they're following God that's right. You care for that soul and they don't want to listen to anything you have to say. And what they believe is totally contradicting what the Bible says. That's hard because in the place in Matthew... It says there are going to be many people that um, say, Lord, we did so many great works in your name. Look at this big multi-billion dollar building we built in your name. See, that's that's a whole other story. The church is not the building. It's not brick. It's not mortar. But it's the people. But Jesus said there's not going to be a stone left unturned. There's not going to be one. It's all going to be destroyed. What he cares about is the people. Mm-hmm. And our people have to get together. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it says, Those that were believed were together. We have so many different faiths. <laughs> In Ephesians, there's one faith, one Lord, and one baptism. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, that's all I'm really going to say. I could say it like so much more, but I'm not going to take away from the minister. Keep, keep oh, it's all preaching. good. Because <laughs> I'm trying to. It's good. Like you said, it's a hard thing to get people to want to actually line up because God chose, he called me to do this. I didn't choose this. 
I mean, after he gave me the calling, and then I chose to do it. But I wasn't sitting there thinking, God, I want to be a minister. <laughs> I didn't sign myself up. God called me to do this. And so after he began to open my eyes, he, he, he put me in a place where I could just see me. I sat there and I looked at my own actions, not what Melvin was doing, not what anybody else in the world was doing. He sat me down and looked at Tony, and I recognized Tony, he was doing a multitude of things that God said don't do, all while still saying Tony is saved, Tony's going to heaven when Tony died. And I was so wrong. I couldn't have been any more wrong than what I was because had I died, before God began to open my eyes to the things that my eyes have been open to now, I would have been straight in hell with no way to come out. And so I had to begin to alter my life based on what God desired my life to look like. And that's what I'm trying to do for everybody else. For those who will listen, it is my prayer that you would take heed to the words of God, to the scripture. Don't follow me. Only follow me if I'm following these scriptures. And that's what I pride myself on doing. I, I try to make sure that everything I'm telling you comes straight from the scripture. I, I want to go to John uh, chapter 3 because we haven't been here in a while. And we're talking about seeing things in the spiritual this, what we're going to read here, is one of the reasons why we cannot see the spiritual things of God. Because we have not yet fulfilled the parts of Scripture that He said we need to do before we, He'll ever even do it for us, before He'll ever open our understanding. He said we have to do this first. The just shall live by faith. So if we're going to live by faith, we have to take heed. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How can they hear without a preacher? How can he preach? How can he preach except he be sent? The preacher is going to tell you some things that God said you must do. <laughs> Somebody said, no, I don't have to do it. Okay, you, don't, you say you don't have to do it, you go ahead and do what you want to do. But I'm going to tell you what God said you must do. Tony didn't say you must do. God said you must do it. Let's, uh, let's start at verse 1 because it's been a while since we read this. Such important. Well, all the scriptures are important. But this, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Mm -hmm. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's not going to see it. <laughs> Sister Rosie. Praise the Lord, Sister Rosie. <laughs> except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In the Old Testament, Elisha prayed to God and said, God, open their eyes that they may see. Open the servant's eyes that he may see. Now we fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus came here 
he came here and brought us grace and truth. So here, Jesus said, unless you are born again, you won't see it. Now, this is spiritual talk once again, being born again. That's spiritual talk. He is telling us to do two things here so that our understanding will be open. So for somebody who said, I just don't understand so many different things, even for those who think they understand, a lot of times people think they understand and still hadn't even been born again. In verse 4, Mill, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb now and he be think, born? He's thinking natural here. He's thinking <laughs> natural, but that's because he has not received the witness. He has not yet been born again. He said, can a person go back inside of their mother's womb after they've been born already? What do you mean? I'm, I'm confused here. How can you be born again? You got to do it spiritually. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of it, the kingdom of God. Now he explains to us what it means to be born again. Being born of water and of Spirit. Two different operations. Water, Spirit. If you don't do this, now this is Jesus talk. He is talking. It's written in blood. Jesus said, if you don't get born of water and of spirit, you won't even enter into heaven. You're not going to understand it. That's that's in verse 3. You won't see it. And he's just talking about understand, comprehend it. And in verse 5, you won't enter in it either. So, it is extremely important to do these two different things. Let's go to Acts 2.38 because... I can sit here and and somebody somebody's gonna say I, I just can't see it. That's because we have to be born first. He said be born again. Then you'll understand. He didn't say you'll understand it, then you're gonna be born again. It's different. When you have a baby inside of its mother's womb, has not been born yet. Has not been born yet. That baby's eyes is closed. That baby cannot see, not until it is born first. You have to be born first. You have to go through the water first before you can see. You have to receive the Holy Ghost before you can see. That's the water, water baptism in Jesus' name. The Spirit is receiving the Holy Ghost. Those are the two requirements for you to have your understanding open. Not to say you won't understand anything. But that is crucial to you comprehending the scripture, to you comprehending the true way of salvation. In the in the uh, Acts two thirty eight, because Peter is going to tell us plainly what it is. They've already received the Holy Ghost for them for themselves. Then open he their understanding that they might understand the scripture. They already have an understanding. So. In order for Tony to get an understanding, I have to look at what they said because Peter seen Jesus. The rest of the apostles, they talked to Jesus. They've touched Jesus. They've slept beside Jesus. Jesus has broken bread for these people. They've been around for three and a half years. So many things for them. 
I didn't get a chance to visualize what he's done for them. So Peter's going to tell us the two same things that Jesus told him to do. So actually, let's drop. Let's uh, go back up to verse 37. Yeah. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, some people want to get saved. They want to get saved. Their heart was pricked. They said unto Peter. Now, they're not talking to Peter's mama. They weren't talking to Mary. They weren't talking to Peter's cousin, whomever his cousin may be. It don't matter if it was Joe or James. It don't matter anybody else. They were talking to ministers. They were talking to chosen people by God, true people. So let's pick up what they said. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be mm -hmm. baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Peter said, Be born again of water. For the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Spirit. of the Spirit. Same two things. Same two things. Be born again of the water and of the spirit. That's how you enter into the kingdom of God. That's how you have your understanding of until you do that. Until you do that. Still more that God is calling for. Now, Jesus said that. That's Jesus' word. Peter only passed down the word. Somebody said water don't save nobody. I remember um, it's a good. I know where you're going. But it's a good example of somebody looking at baptism with the natural eye. I remember I was trying to tell somebody that, hey, baptism in Jesus' name and getting the um, Holy Ghost is a, a requirement. You know that's not really taught around here. And they were like, well, you got to be crazy. You think God gonna send somebody to hell for them not getting dunked in the pool of water that they got out of the faucet? And I mean, when you look at it with the natural eye. That's what it would look like. The whole, when you look at it spiritually, you see it's a whole new world. What are we going? We're going to um, First Peter. Yeah, the water means something. Peter chapter 2 and uh, 3. 1 three. Peter 3 and probably start with 19 or 20. We start with 20. Somebody out there is going to say water don't mean nothing. That is because... You have not searched the scriptures. We are easily wrong if we don't search the script. I didn't used to believe this. The scriptures made me a believer. I had to change my beliefs based off of what I found in the Bible. So we say, I believe the Bible until somebody show you something that contradicts with your belief. And then you say, well, I just don't believe that. And if we become an unbeliever at one point, we become an unbeliever at all points. <laughs> we have to believe the wholesome word, Paul says in one place. The wholesome word. The whole word. All scripture. It goes right back to in the book of Isaiah. And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man. They, all of the churches are going to say, I'm a Christian, but they're going to follow their own beliefs. That's not being a follower if you create your own beliefs, we have to get back to the scripture. Somebody said the scripture ain't important. And I remember one example you were giving um, to somebody one day, 
And they and to put it in layman's terms, it's saying, what if Jesus only told you to eat apples? You remember saying that? Mm-hmm. Like Jesus would only tell you to eat apples. And this is just an example. But you have some churches saying oranges are okay. And then another church say, well, strawberries are okay. I don't see anything wrong with strawberries. No, and we we'll, we'll go back to the Bible way. Jesus only said eat apples. Mm-hmm. And that's just a very watered down scale of what we see today in a lot of different churches. It's not like Jesus came down and told the Baptists one thing, go down the street and tell the Catholics another thing. It's not. It's one faith. But that's all I want to add right there. Yep. You're so right about that. So here we, we're just going to clear up because somebody's going to say water ain't going to save nobody. Water don't mean nothing. In verse 20. Which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. He went, Melvin brought it up earlier about Noah. Peter brings up Noah here. He says, eight souls were saved by water. Few, many are called, few are chosen. Few people are going to be saved because they're not going to believe. Only a few are going to believe in the water. Most people go to hell, and that's the word of God. Few are going to believe in this water. I want to be on the side with a few. Whatever God tells me to believe, that's what I'm going to believe. Look at verse 21. Now he's going to compare it. He's going to compare it to our time today. He brought up Noah in the Old Testament. Now let's bring it to our time. The like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us. Now. Baptism doth also now save us. The same way it saved them then, water saves us now. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God doesn't change. He does not change. So water saves it saves whether people want to accept it or not the water saves there's nothing wrong with the water that water means it means some spiritual things but I'm not going to be able to get you to understand God has to open your understanding to that so if you find yourself curious and I pray good God from Zion God knows I pray that your understanding and your eyes may be open to the water but you must you must go down in Jesus name first you must receive the Holy Ghost first one without the other won't work that's in scripture too he said you got to do both you got to do both go ahead uh, read that read that again man. the like figure where until even baptism doth also now save us not the putting away of filth of the flesh when you get baptized, people have this. See, God already answered everything. He knows the excuses and the reasons you're going to come up with. He knows the hypotheticals people are going to come up with. Somebody said, you mean to tell me I got to get dunked in some water? It's it just like taking a bath. <laughs> Here, he says, baptism is not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. This ain't like taking a bath. You ain't just washing your skin off when you get baptized. No, that this is something completely different. But the answer of a good conscience toward God, you get in a good conscience towards God when you get baptized. 
by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus did the same thing. I'm sorry to cut you off. You good. Jesus did the same thing. <laughs> when he got baptized, God said, this is my beloved son, and he, thee, I am well pleased. Well pleased. God never said that until Jesus got baptized. Well So pleased. Jesus got a good conscience with God. Mm -hmm. The same way we do now today. But only a few are going to take heed to the warning. Good conscience toward God. So it's all over the scripture. It's just, will you accept it? Will you take heed to God's word? Will you have an eye to see and ears to hear? Will you take the warning? Will you listen to the words of God? It's easy to listen to a motivation, motivational talk, uh, a pep talk. Uh, <laughs> it's easy to listen to those things, but when it comes to taking a look at ourselves and seeing have we met the qualifications that God is calling for, then we start saying, well, I don't have to do that. I just don't have to do it. The scripture is there. It's all there. So I, I just pray that God would open your eyes, open your understanding, Definitely. and continue to open my understanding. Because I definitely want to see more than even what I see. But I pray God opens yours as well because we all want to make it there. And I don't want to see anybody not make it to heaven. But one thing I do know is that I won't be able to make God change what he requires. The things that he said we must do, we must. Even all the way back to the Garden of Eden, he told them not to eat of that tree, and they disobeyed that one thing. And now we see so many consequences result off of one sin, one. And today the devil has deceived us into thinking we can continually sin against God and still be found in his good favor. But that's that's all I had on that. Did you have something about to say? Uh, keeping on the topic of uh, being baptized in water and the spirit, um, the majority of so many churches, when they have their altar call, it, it, there's different variations of it, but they'll maybe sit a chair out in front and have everybody close their eyes, and then it was like, if you want to be saved or just come up here and repeat this line after me, I believe that the um. Jesus is the Son of God, and that He is my personal Lord and Savior. And from right then and there, they will call that person saved. And that really hurts my heart that they that these people think that, think that they're saved like that. I mean, again, if all we have to do is believe, we wouldn't have this big gigantic book. All we would have is one page. It says believe. No believing is not enough. Believing is not enough for you to receive salvation. And I like the Book of James because he got on people. <laughs> he told him like straight like it is and in chapter 2 of the book of James verse 19 it says thou believest that there is one God thou doest well the devils also believe and they tremble the devils believe too they're not going to be saved in Matthew 16 I mean Mark 16 and 16 those who believe and are, and are baptized shall be saved those who don't shall be damned 
and most people will definitely go to hell. That's Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 14. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads into life. There's only going to be a few, just like in the days of Noah, so shall it be now. So that's why we get on here every every Tuesday and every Thursday trying to reach out to the people because we don't want anybody lost. We already know that the majority of people won't listen. <laughs> Check the views on the live stream, only maybe, maybe about one or two or three people like look at them but i mean if only one person were to listen and if only one person were to go down in jesus name and get the gift of the holy ghost and start acting out scripture it'll be worth it matter if it takes 10 20 30 years if only one person did it it would be worth it mm -hmm. but we want to see everybody do it definitely it's preach the word of god to every creature but i won't go on a long rant like i usually do we know that it's finals week for those who are listening. I want you to do well on your tests. Last day tomorrow for those. Good luck on your tests and congratulations to all of the graduates graduates that will be graduating this Saturday. That is definitely a huge accomplishment. And I pray that it goes well for you. And Deshaun says, keep it up. Deshaun, how you doing? Appreciate man? it, man. Thank definitely. You. That is our goal to reach out. Deshaun. And I am done. If you have anything else to add, I think that's all I had. So we definitely thank you guys for watching, whether you catch it live or if you go back and watch it later. That's the good thing about Facebook live streams. It uploads as a regular video. And we thank you for the people that takes the time out of their busy day to come to our physical Bible study. That really mm -hmm. means a lot. Nothing excites me more than when somebody wants to learn the truth about God. Sharon Thanks, says, Sharon. great job, you guys. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. But if there be nothing else, then we pray that you guys have a very blessed night and a very blessed day tomorrow. And we'll see you guys either Tuesday or next Thursday. If Sharon had no questions. Sharon, do you have any questions? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure you do. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, though. That's that's not what I'm Because you always ask questions. And we love the questions. I like, definitely love the questions. I know it's kind of, like, delayed. So. But for anybody who had questions, though, definitely uh, feel free. Even if we're talking about something, you can ask a question on any other thing. Yep. Um, Ebony says, thank y'all for this. You're welcome. Thank, thank you, you for thank listening. You. Thank you for listening. And she said, Sharon says, yep, but I don't want to hold you guys up. Oh, we don't have anything planned tonight. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> this this is what, as Melvin has already said, this is what we enjoy doing. This is, I mean, stay up late reading, stay up late trying to learn, trying to study, trying to find something new. This is what our life is about. So definitely feel free and I mean, when I look at the time, it's only 7.38. I mean, I don't, I'm done with school now. <laughs> I don't have any finals. So we understand that you have to go for finals or any other reason. But I mean, for anybody who has questions, we are definitely open to answering those questions to the best of our ability, mm. given the knowledge from God. Because there's so many things, even with the topic tonight, Sharon says, what do you guys think about tithing and the benefits of it? Well, tithing is what God called us to do. Now, it's actually an Old Testament thing, and we're actually supposed to be doing even more now in the New Testament, but 
I don't want to get into that because that's that's extremely deep. That's a whole topic. <laughs> that's man. extremely deep. But tithing is 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 correct. Tithing. There's nothing wrong with tithing. Now, um, what has happened a lot in our time today, uh, and even back then, people begin to manipulate tithes and uh, preachers, especially obviously preachers stealing money but obviously you won't be able to stop all of the crooked things that go on in this world but God still requires us to pay our tithes he still requires that um, even all the way back with Abraham he paid a tenth of what he what he had earned what he had received so tithes is something that goes all the way back and it is right to do. But like I said, people people will uh, take money. Uh, it even talks about that throughout Scripture, <laughs> where God told them to bring the tithes back to the church. But long story short, there's nothing wrong with tithes. Um, it is God-ordained, and you will benefit from paying tithes because you benefit from doing everything God tells you to do. So I know a lot of times people will spend so much time and energy, especially preachers, will spend so much time and energy on trying to get people to pay their tithes, which, like I said, it is right to pay your tithes. But if if I were to spend that time trying to get your heart right, trying to get you to see what it all is that God wants you to do, you would have no issue paying your tithes because actually all of that stuff is supposed to be given back to you. I'm not saying you give $100 tithes and they turn around and put the $100 back in your hand. What I'm saying is the church is supposed to do things for you. The church is not supposed to be a place where you just pay all your tithes your whole life and you ain't never got nothing back from the church other than uh, an apple. They give you a bag of apples every uh, Easter or a few eggs every Easter. <laughs> that's not what No, that's what happens, unfortunately. <laughs> that's not what you pay your tithes for. All of that stuff is supposed to be a supposed to be a way to create opportunities for the church to create a, a storehouse in the church. Uh, they're supposed put it to you this way: even if you don't have food, you've been paying your tithe. You should be able to go to the church and get something to eat. If your light bill is is past due, you should be able to go to the church and say, "Hey, I'm struggling with my light bill this month." I need some help. You, that's what your tires are for. If your car has a flat tire, there should be money. If people were, if we were uh, really trying to look out for each other the way God wants us to, the this money that's been given to the church, it is to help the people because, as Melvin says all the time, the church is the people. So all of those things are for the benefit of the people. And um, that's really what God, that's why God calls us to do that uh, without getting too deep into it because it's, it's, it's a lot of deep stuff that gets into that. But 
But uh, yeah, I hope that answers your question, Melvin. You had something to say. I mean, uh, we talked about that um, before. Um, the title was the preacher's job, mm-hmm. and all the things that um, he is responsible for. Sharon said, "Tony, that's the answer I was looking for. I think you hit the nail on the head because many preachers—that's all they seem to talk about. People say that people pay them, but don't receive any help in return in the time of need." I would say, if you are going there, you should find a new place to go. I mean, you see it a lot, like in a big multi-million dollar building, the pastors driving Rolls Royces and Bentleys. Mm-hmm. Nothing is wrong with that as long as the members are, are driving those cars too. Mm-hmm. We all should have all the same things. And that's what a lot of these preachers are doing with these tithes. One church, um, I read a story about it, about um, this young minister. He was about to start a church. And I told this before on our live streams, but um, he was talking to like the actual pastor of that church, and the pastor said, "Make sure you do it in an area where a high income area, and get a lot of members to go there, because the higher the members get paid, that means the higher their tithes are. So the more money for you." <laughs> and then we have people that want to preach at funerals or at any occasion, and they ask for pay. Like that is couldn't be any further away from uh, what God wants us to do. Shouldn't be for money. It should be about getting souls saved, and nothing more than that. But it's devil has, man. And another place that said the God of this world has blinded the eyes of many. The the devil is the God, the little God, God of this world, and the majority of us are blinded because our spiritual eyes blinded. And as the topic says, we have to seek God, baptize in Jesus' name, get the gift of the Holy Ghost, and our spiritual eye will become open. But double has so many people blinded. And in another place in Matthew says, Beware of, of false prophets and wolves' clothing and sheep's clothing, but they're um they're really wolves. But it's just it's a whole lot that it can be said about that topic. But definitely um ties is right. I just hope that they treat it treat it right and um will re- give back to their members and help them in their time of need instead of turning them away. I remember I saw something else on Facebook where a person got kicked out, kicked out of church for not paying their tithes. And this person was going through a really rough time. So when the person really needed the church, the church turned their back and they kicked this person out. And that really did hurt my heart. Like, because you really should be going to the church in your time of need. The main place you're supposed to be going and then they kick you out like that. And that's why a lot of these churches have a bad name today. (laughs) <laughs> Sharon said, I could talk and listen to you both all night. When y'all going to open the doors of your own church? <laughs> we plan to. That's that's up to God, God's timing. Uh, for now, it's just about learning as much as we can. Um, because no matter how much we do know, the little that we do know, we still have a long way to go. A lot of stuff to learn. That is definitely the plan. But uh, there, there's a place in Malachi. We can look at that real quick. Uh, but if you got other questions, definitely ask those also. But I want to look at Malachi 3. Uh, it's on ties. But if you got other questions, uh, definitely ask. Malachi 3 and 8. Uh, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? 
in tides and offerings. Malachi asked him, Will a man rob God? We, now, he's really talking to the preachers here, but the members rob God of tithes and offering too because the members, a lot of times, people don't want to pay tithes. But like I said, we should definitely go to a place where they're teaching the true doctrine of God. God doesn't want you to go to a church your whole life and the church is just doing crooked stuff. God doesn't want you to go there. He wants you to go to a church where he truly called the preacher to do what it is that he's doing. So he, God tells them here, you've robbed me in tithes and in offering. Skip down to verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, said the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. That's the condition that we should be in, in the church. There should be a storehouse. There should be food. There should be everything we need in the church. That's what Melvin brought up earlier in Acts 2.44. They that believed were together and had all things common. They had everything. They had food. They had everything that they needed. Nobody lacked anything. Nobody had a need for anything. That's what bringing our money to the church is supposed to do because God said he was going to open the windows of heaven. That's what God said he was going to do, and he was going to pour out blessings on them that they didn't even have room to receive. We know right now we don't have blessings upon blessings that we ain't got room to even keep them. We don't have that. You got plenty of room. <laughs> we got plenty of room. <laughs> we got plenty of room. Why? Because we have not lined up with God. It's not because God doesn't want to bless us. He said he's going to prove it. He said, and prove me now herewith. He said, I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to do it for you. Once you line up with my word. So that's the problem. We're not lining up with God's word. So, so yeah, ties is right. But like I said, you got to be following somebody who is going to do right with them. Where you go is crucial. Just because a man said, I'm a preacher, I'm a minister, I'm a bishop, I'm a prophet, I don't care what, what they say, or anybody, whatever she says, he, she, whoever, you have to follow somebody truly God sent and truly understands the scriptures. So, yeah, ties are definitely right to do. But if we can get people's heart right, they'll give. They'll pay their tithes because it's going to benefit them. They'll be able to actually see the blessings take place. It's so true. And that's why, like, I hurts my heart, like, to see, like, a lot of these mega churches, talking about multi-billion dollar churches, and I'm sure we all know who I'm talking about, a lot of different um, mega pastors or whatever. They have thousands, millions of members, and their members are sitting there in poverty. It shouldn't be like that. Nobody should. Nobody in the church should lack. We see the true church in Acts. Nobody lacked. All of their needs were met. Nobody should be sitting there on food stamps. Nobody should be sitting there on welfare. Nobody. <laughs> Man, but it's we all just got to align. When we all get back to the book, 
let's talk about scripture. Let's learn exactly what God wants us to do. Because a lot of us go off of our own feelings, or our own personal beliefs, and our own personal emotions. And 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 a famous line: "Follow your heart." And we talked about that a previous week. The heart is deceitful above all things. In Psalms, David prayed for a clean heart, creating me a clean heart. Mm-hmm. Only the pure at heart will see God. It's all about our hearts, and our hearts are not right. People say God knows my heart. Yeah, He does know your heart. What you do is a reflection of what's in your heart. If you go around cursing people out, trying to beat them up, beat them up and seek revenge on them, that's what's in your heart. And God knows that. That's not being pure at heart. We know the scripture that says the vengeance, vengeance belongs to the Lord. Why are we trying, trying to get people back for um, mistreating us? Not saying that they're right for mistreating us. Don't get me wrong there. But we shouldn't be trying to plot on how we can get them back. I know that's hard to do. <laughs> When people hit you, you want to hit them back. <laughs> Turn the other cheek. Jesus said, you heard that it was an eye for an eye. <laughs> but I say, now, nah, turn the other cheek. God's going to take care of him. <laughs> God told, uh, well, Jesus told Peter to put his sword down. See, when we get disarmed, when we don't have our guns, when we don't have our knives, and we think we're totally defenseless. When we just read in 2 Kings, him that be, them that be with us are more than they that be with them. If you have God on your side and the whole universe is against you, all humans, all the animals, and whatever else out there in space against you, if God is with you, you are in the majority, the vast majority. But we keep looking with our natural eye. Mm-hmm. And as long as we keep doing that, we won't see it. We'll never see it. Man, I remember um, in Exodus. When um, God was talking to Moses through the burning bush. If you look at that naturally, <laughs> remember I was talking to one guy um, that said that he just couldn't wrap his mind around a burning bush that was burning, but it was never consumed. <laughs> because God does not work. God invented science. All these scientists keep trying to prove the word of God wrong. God invented science. <laughs> you going to try to prove his word wrong through science. <laughs> It's a lot of instances where um, God didn't obey the laws of physics or whatever else, especially with the burning bush. We have um, another question from Deshaun. So what if you don't want to fight but say things about someone that everyone thinks is funny but you're dead serious? Wait, so what if you don't want to fight but you say things about someone that everyone thinks is funny? Can you ask, uh, can you kind of explain what it is you mean, Deshaun? I think I know what you mean, but I don't want to get it wrong. Yeah, just kind of explain a little bit, uh, because I don't want to misunderstand your question. But I I will say... um, I'm saying mean things to the person's face, but they think I'm joking with them. Oh, you're saying you actually say some mean things about a person. Uh, I get what you're saying. Well... God still let me let me ask you this question. Do you think Jesus would say something mean to a person in the manner of which you're talking? Because if we look at his life, they said a lot of mean things to him. We know they put a crown of thorns on his head. We know they they mocked him all the way to the cross. We know they spit on this man. 
we know they made fun of him. They said, look, he saved so many others, but he can't save himself. They beat him. They tore his clothes off of him. And he never said, exactly. He, he never, the Bible said there was no guile found in his mouth. He never said anything back. He was as a sheep, dumb before his shearer. Open, he was led. He, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. He didn't say a single thing. So, for us to be called Christians, it means being Christ-like. So, in order for Tony to be a true follower of Christ, I have to model my behavior after him. Now, I know sometimes it's extremely hard. We say, man, I just can't, I, I just can't do what he did. But that's what our hope should be. That's what we should be desiring to do. So it definitely takes, it takes a lot to yeah. to get in that position to to the position that he was because we see us today. We're not thinking like that. We thinking if somebody says something to me, I gotta get them back. Ain't no if and buts about it. I gotta get them back. Especially if you're around a group of people and they be like, gotta get them back. You gonna let them talk to you like that, bro? I gotta get them back. But Christ, he didn't. That's not how he was. Pride is one of the three things that God hates. So he said, God said, vengeance is his. So we have to get in a position to learn how to not respond the same way others respond because God wants us to respond out of love and it's not love to say uh, you're ugly or, or whatever mean things it is to somebody it's not love to to kill somebody it's not love it's not love to to say I hate you or anything of that nature it's not love but God is love and that's what Jesus showed us how to do is love your enemies. Jesus told us to love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Bless them. That's some hard things he told us, but that's what he's expecting of us. That's exactly what he's expecting of us. But the only way we're going to ever be able to do that is if we have the Holy Ghost and if we've been baptized in his name. Other than that, it's going to be impossible for us to get to that level. It'll be completely impossible. I know that's definitely true because I used to be the same way. I always trying to get even with somebody. I grew up in a neighborhood where all you could do was fight. <laughs> Couldn't even ride your bike without fighting. But um, we definitely should turn the other cheek, pray for our enemies, love our enemies. It's going to be hard to do. But it gets easier the more you get into God's word. Definitely. It's a lot that can be said. But yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you both for asking questions and, and everyone else who's commented. We appreciate you guys for the feedback and the interaction, for sure. Most definitely, the questions are always appreciated. If you have more questions, definitely ask them. But yeah, it, it's some uh, big shoes to fill that 
God is calling us to uh, live our lives that way. Yes, sir. Deshaun says, thanks. That was helpful and needed. No problem, Deshaun. Anytime. It's definitely some um, – God definitely has a different way that he wants us to live. Um, and and uh, other people around us will tell us to do the exact things that God said don't do. But we see the love and the compassion that Jesus showed. He even said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. These people are about to kill him, and, they, and he says some stuff like, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What a, what a moment of love, showing love. And that's the same love that we should have for everybody today. Because Jesus says, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? And we have people calling him my God all the time, doing exactly the opposite of what he says. And it's sad when people actually think that they're going right and you try to help them and they do nothing but go against what you say, murmur against you, just like the children of, um, did in Exodus and Numbers against Moses. But, I mean, that's just the job that um, God has laid upon the ministers of the world today. And amen, Jaren. So if there will be any more questions, then I think that will be it. Somebody else has something. I could definitely ramble on and on, but man, it's so much stuff to talk about, God. We could literally do a continuous live stream, like a twenty-four-seven live stream, and never run out of things to talk about. Especially with some of these lessons, like this one. Like there's so many other places. Sharon says, I want to thank you guys again for the help on Sunday. I really appreciate you both. Anytime, Sharon. It's all good, Sharon. That's what we're here for. I mean, I wouldn't mind doing that every day. I have no issues with that. That's really what we're here for. Yep. That's our job. Got anything else? No, I don't have anything else. Well, if that be it, thank you again and again and again for watching and interacting. And for those who come out to our actual Bible studies on um, Tuesdays at 630 at the library, we make it work for the time being. The rooms are just based on availability, whichever one we can <laughs> get reserved. Sharon says, I can talk a lot and ask many things. So, Melvin, look for my calls. Good night. <laughs> See you, Sharon. I'll keep my line open. But um, good night. Looking forward to it. I hope everybody who's still watching has a very blessed night and a very blessed day tomorrow, as, as well as a very blessed and safe weekend. And congratulations to the graduates again. And stay safe in the weather. It's supposed to storm. So, please be mindful of that. Please be mm -hmm. safe. And if that be it, then we're going to end it right here god bless you guys god bless you i and love each and every one of you guys so and i just wanted to say just a few short words of encouragement man i know there's so many people going through so many things right now and and sometimes it seems as if everything is collapsing on you please 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 i pray keep god on your mind keep seeking him because he's going to bring you out i don't care what the circumstance is he is going to see you through because God loves you and he cares about you. And he's going to put people around you. There's people you can reach out to. 
please don't feel too prideful. Reach out to me. I, I, I don't have any. If I can help you, I'm going to do my best to help you. Whether you just want to talk, whether you need a ride somewhere, whatever it is, please reach out to me uh, because God loves you and I care about you as well. So I just wanted to say a few words of encouragement to um, anybody out there that's struggling and, and going through something and you feel like you're alone. So um, thank you guys again. Um, and I pray you guys have a blessed afternoon and slash night. And we'll see you again next Thursday. All right, see you guys.